want to have relationships that refresh and renew their souls, uh, we all tend to avoid the, the people that suck the life out of us. You know who they are, you just thought of them. And you avoid them, don't you? It's okay, I think. Well, maybe we should talk about that more later. Unfortunately, we live in a broken world. We live in a world full of uh, broken people. We're broken people. And unfortunately, broken people break other people. Uh, not intentionally, well, hopefully not intentionally, but we still do. And in fact, whether we recognize it or not, we may actually be others avoid. Jesus came into our broken world to restore it and renovate it and to make it back into what God created it to be. And he focused his restoration process on broken people like us as he restores us, as he restores broken people and fixes our brokenness. He then asks us to join him in making other people new. And helping them to be restored. And to work with Jesus, you need to take first step into relationship that renew. First step into relationship. Excuse me. First step into relationship that renew and refresh us is learning to speak the native language of God's kingdom family, and that is the language of grace and kindness. Forgiveness and mercy. It's not easy to learn a new language sometimes. Especially when you're still living in a world where everybody's speaking the old language. Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. Right? But the first step is being involved in relationships that refresh us and joining Jesus in that uh, process of being restored and restoring others is to learn to speak the language of grace and kindness, forgiveness. But then you must realize that the Holy Spirit is the one who creates and maintains peace in our family. It's not us. It's Him. He's the one. He gives us His peace. Not just the absence of conflict, which is, you know, sometimes would be wonderful, but also the presence of the things that bless us and make us all that we need to be. So today we're going to talk about relationships between church members. This is during the church conference day, celebration membership day, uh, and so we're going to talk about what happens when humans, even committed. Jesus followers disagree, and unfortunately, because we're broken people, broken people often disagree disagreeably. 
Now, personally, because I'm going to be saying that frequently throughout this sermon, but in a stop, somewhere along the line, it's going to switch to where I'm going to talk about it consistently, agreeably, if all goes well. When people in the church, when people in the church disagree disagreeably, it creates a problem because the church, the local church, is the hope of the world. God restores this broken world through the actions of the Capital C Church. The Capital C Church is everybody that's part of God's kingdom family all around the world. That's the Capital C Church. That's the church that God works through to restore and renew this world and make it what He wants it to be. But each local church, each local congregation, is part of the action of restoration and renovation as far as that congregation shares Jesus' love with the community that He placed them. And when we disagree disagreeably, our church cannot participate in God's restoration process because we're disagreeing disagreeably. We're still in need of restoration. Have I lost anybody so far? This is important. I don't want to lose anyone yet. Well, I don't want to lose anyone at all. So how do we deal with disagreements between committed Jesus followers? It's a good question. It's not new. The Apostle Paul had the right to people who did this. But before I go any further, let me tell you how I know that we have problems in in, in, in least, well, maybe not in our church. But in other churches, I observe uh, problems of people disagreeing disagreeably. One of those uh, obvious symptoms is church hopping. I also call it lifeboat swapping. You know, so how many of you have heard the old ship of Zion? I was an old dog. Lord, that people used to say. Really? Few of you have. Okay. And none of the rest of you want to admit it if you have. Okay. It, it's basically this image that the, we're out in the ocean, our ship's gone down, and we're all trying to get into a lifeboat waiting for the ship of Zion to come and pick us up and take us away. Okay? Uh, and what I have observed is. 59 years of being in the church. This is not just being a pastor. I was doing this when I was a preacher's kid. There were people who liked the padding in that other lifeboat. You know, those benches had padding. I observed they got a louder organ. Or no organ. I, I heard that they get all kinds of stuff. So we pop out of one lifeboat and swim over to the other lifeboat because that lifeboat is better than the one we're in. The question I always want to ask is, if it gets you out of the water, is that good enough? Why would you want to jump back in the water to get to another lifeboat when you might not make it? That's a good question. Church options. Church splits. Not banana splits. Church splits. 
I'll take my, I'll take this group and I'll go that group and you, you go this way and you go that way. I don't like the color of the carpet. Yes, people have flip churches over that kind of stuff. Pardon me? I'll never mind. Another possibility, another thing I've observed is gossip and slander often disguised as prayer requests. Well, we really need to pray for Sister So and So. There's a joke about that. You want to hear a joke about that? Bachelor, old bachelor in a uh, church found out that somebody was passing around a prayer request because uh, his car had been. His truck had been parked outside a bar all night. Nobody bothered to find out that it actually broken down. It was taking 24 hours to get it picked up, but you know, we need to pray for Brother So and So. I know that his truck was parked out in front of the bar. And, and so he found out which one of the dear saints of the church that started that rumor, and that evening he parked his truck in front of her house and left it. Judging each other's motives, it, it's amazing to me how quickly every one of us is we're broken. This is one of the things that we're broken about. We think we can figure out why other people do what they do. When if we were honest, we can figure out why we do what we do. And yet we think that somehow we can read somebody else's mind and know exactly why they did what they did. So it happens. This, this actually is, you know, since you find out, this happened in another state. I can say that because every other church I've heard was in another state. I just heard four churches in four states. So it's one of the other three. Shortly after I arrived, uh, one of the leading ladies in the church, who just happened to also be a preacher's daughter, his father had also been a district superintendent. So this is somebody I would have thought would, you know, know better than do stuff like this. But they decided they didn't like the former pastor, and so they decided, her words, to start it out. We will not get, we decided we would not pay our tithes until we left. Now, I just want to tell you, now, let me explain something about the tithes. First of all, it's not your money. All of God's money, and you return the tithe, you think that it's your own manager for Him. And if you don't pay your tithe, if you don't like the pastor, it's not between you and the pastor, it's between you and the guy who owns all your stuff. And you figure me and the new pastor, you don't want to do I'm just saying. I'll do what they want, so I still think I know. So they start doing this. So they start doing that. Like, here, these people do not attend this church. They, 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 they decided they weren't, didn't want to be members of this church because they offered me a check. So we don't believe in tithing, but we're going to give you a check to do this. 
the church does is not up for sale. Well, what was the last Sunday they came? It was years ago. Quick time to figure out who it was. Still comes. Disagreeing disagreeably. Committed followers of Jesus can, can, can disagree, and sometimes we disagree disagreeably. What causes this to happen? Why is it we disagree disagreeably sometimes? Well, I, I read this recently. It's a great little phrase. Expectations kill relationships. Right. See a little story to go with it. The principle goes like this. If you go to the store with your two-year-old and expect that they won't see anything that they want, and that even if they do see something they want, that they will not throw a temper tantrum when you say no. You have unrealistic expectations because temper tantrums are what two-year-olds do best. Three or four. Sometimes, unfortunately, some of them don't go up. Unrealistic expectations lead to a church where the people aren't committed and the leader is constantly worn out and insecure, trying to run around trying to keep everybody happy. Expectations kill relationships. The problem of disagreeing disagreeably shows up when I tell you that you should fulfill all of my expectations. And you say, no, you fulfill all of my expectations. And then Sally comes along and goes, no, both of you need to fulfill my expectations. And we come to Sally and go, no, you need to, okay, she was promised. I want my way. I want everybody to do what they need my way. Something that experience based on standards. When, when, when we begin to think that what I've experienced, what I grew up with, what I think, uh, what, what happened to me, uh, what I observed in church, or my last church, or what we've always done, when we begin to think that these things are normal, then your experiences become abnormal when they're different from mine. So as I grew up, I, I okay, I'm going to take that in time. I grew up in Indiana singing a little song that went like this. Nine thirty sharp, nine thirty sharp. I'll be in the school at nine thirty sharp. And then I moved to Big City. And nine forty five won't fit that. Nine forty five sharp. Yeah, good. It's like Well, that's weird. Or who else did, right? There's a difference, right? But sometimes when we see things that are different than what we've experienced, we think they're weird. Ah, as normal. And the problem of disagreeable disagreements comes when I say you need to fix my experiences. You need to do things the way I've always done them. Or vice versa. Preferences generate stress. What I like is better than what you like. Obviously, I wouldn't like it more than I like what you like or what you like because, well, what I like is better. That's what we think. 
It doesn't matter whether it's music or worship style or clothing or food or movies or books or cars or something else. I like what I like that it better than what you like and therefore With this disagreeable disagreement comes when I want you to change your preferences so we can agree. And how many of you know? Yeah, I will. I have a style of music that I really like, that I only really can do by myself. I take my wife to two concerts like this and she left both of them. I went with her. I like hard rock. You can't tell by looking at me, but I'm really a long haired headband. And can you imagine what would happen if I decided that in some you may think I would have But what if I decided that our Sunday morning worship service would actually become a hard rock concert? I thought all of us would enjoy it. Okay, no. The problem with this ugly head when I think that you should be more, uh, do things more my way. Personality produces friction. Extroversion and introverts rub each other the wrong way. Two extroverts in the same room can rub each other the wrong way. Doers and planners drive each other crazy. One's trying to get stuff done, and the other one says, Well, you know, if we think this through, we can get it done better. Now, what's the story? I don't know. Flexible, spontaneous people make the conservative structures get pull their hair out. And the problem is that I think everybody ought to be like me. The only thing is that the more people I meet like me, the more I frustrated by me. Opinions make opponents. No one, no one thinks that his or her opponents are opposite. No one thinks that his or her opinions are wrong because if they did, they'd have a different opinion. Correct? You know, my what opinion is what I think because I think it's right. Here's one of the things we have to realize. We are broken people living in a broken world. We may be right on many of our opinions, but we cannot possibly be right on all of our opinions. Even the ones. Oh. And we need to be able to admit that. But as long as I think all of my opinions, and there's no possibility that any of my opinions could be wrong, and therefore, if you don't agree with me, you have to check your opinion. Then there's going to be some disagreeable disagreements. Like none of us, somebody else. I actually told the guy, I asked you guys once to. It must be a heavy burden to always be right. And I was trying to be sarcastic enough to let him realize, you know, not, not even I'm not right all the time. And he said, you know, it, 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 it is. It is a heavy burden. We were still having a disagreeable disagreement about it all. Because I, I wouldn't slap my forehead out of laughter. 
We don't ask the altos to sing the same thing as the piano sing. We don't ask the basses to sing the same thing. It's hard, isn't it, Jordan? Each one of us has to make the, our own sound. We, it, he's not saying you've got to stop it. You've got to change your opinion, your expectations, your experiences, your beliefs. That's not what he's saying with that. He's saying, sound them in harmony. To the same key, deep. Together in the Lord. He's not assuming them a call to uniformity, but to a common commitment to work together. Yeah, you, you, you say this, and Sidney, you say this, and okay. But what's the really important thing? The really important thing is work just to bring restoration to people's lives. They have no idea what they want to do in their Probably a good thing. If somebody would have made a rule. You know, if they were arguing over the color of carpet, they would have said, okay, no carpet, therefore we'll never have to charge you again. Okay. If they would argue about the color of the or the hardware, or the land, or, or maybe we should just take that all together and take it to Good enough for people. Okay. So here, this, this, is a, this is a little one-liner I received from a, a dear friend of mine, my coach, Dr. Tim Whale. He says it this way, Irritate or appreciate the choice is yours. Or as Paul is saying here, Discord or harmony, the choice is yours. You don't have to agree on every jot and fiddle, every single thing. But you need to be together with Jesus. And appreciate the fact that he's got a middle finger and you've got a E. That was trained as an E. And, and, and together you make a chord. Appreciate that. Because I'm saying, Yes, when I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended by at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clarence and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the Book of Life. Paul considered these women to be part of his team. These aren't just associates; these aren't uh, assistants. These were people. These women were people he considered uh, members of his team and sharing the gospel. So these weren't immature people. These weren't people that had just started coming to church. And, you know, somebody had just started coming to church and maybe just decided they're going to follow Jesus and probably not going to have started learning the language of grace and kindness and, and, and not been looking for peace in their family and, and probably a little bumpier than. Right? We give allowances for people who are just starting to learn. Amen? Yes. Okay, good. Be the next time. Good, we're in there. But these were people who were fully committed, mature followers of Jesus, and they still had a disagreement over they were disagreeing disagreeably. 
And Paul saying to them, I want you to come together in harmony. Again, he gives us an attitude adjustment. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, in parentheses, he could have reminded us, by the way, I'm sitting in jail telling you to have a good time. I'm rejoicing and blessing and praising Jesus while I'm sitting in a Roman dungeon. At least you can't get along. Rejoice in the Lord. What does that mean? To delight in your relationship with Jesus. What are you disagreeing about, lady? It can't be nearly as important as the joy of knowing you're part of God's family. And if you can help other people be a part of your family. How can you compare anything to that? Rejoice in the Lord. By the way, if you didn't catch it the first time, I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Gentleness is the willingness to yield my rights to, to instead of demanding that I get what I think I deserve, it is the willingness to yield my rights in the interest of another person. To help them. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Anxiety stems from the desire to have everybody think the way. If everybody had the same opinion, everybody met my expectations. If everybody had the same experience, we didn't have those weird ideas. You know, if everybody was more like me, Say things like that out loud, we go, oh, no, I don't really want everybody to be like me. I really enjoy being the only one to Dr. James Dobson, who's part of the Focus on the Family for many years, used to say that if, if two people are completely alike, one of them is unnecessary. That I would hate for it to be Right? So, anxiety comes from this, and it grows out of my expectations about life and my comfort and my desire to have things go my way, and for everybody to agree with me. And the answer to that poison is prayer. That's the answer to that. Just give it to Jesus. They're not doing what I think they ought to do. Let's just give it to Jesus. That's all it is. His church. He is their Savior, they think. Just like you enjoy giving to Jesus. But I don't just give them to Jesus. What happens when we do? Peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. The peace of God is a blessing that only He can give. It is something that He gives and nobody can take away. It is more than the absence of anxiety and distress, although it certainly brings that. 
It is also the presence of the things that will help us to experience all that He wants us to experience and to accomplish all the things He wants us to accomplish. And to touch people's lives the way He wants us to touch people's lives and to share His love with people. And it's all done in Christ Jesus. In our relationship with Jesus, we experience peace and grace. We know what it means to be forgiven, to receive mercy, to have kindness bestowed upon us, and so we can share it with others. There's, there's a thing going on in here. Stand firm in the Lord. Agree or live in harmony in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And let God's peace guard you in Christ Jesus. In your relationship with Him. So here's, here's the one sentence application for this morning. Commit to appreciating and loving those who disagree with me. So we all know we are disagreeing agreeably. Humans, even committed Jesus followers, often disagree disagreeably, unfortunately. And this creates a problem because we are the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. It's the place that God uses to bring transformation in the lives of individuals and in communities. And when we disagree disagreeably, it prevents Him from working in us and through us to change people. But the good news is that Jesus can help us to disagree agreeably because we learn how to agree in the Lord. John Wesley, the founder of our branch of the Christian Family Tree, wrote the following about relationships in the church. I, I, I at one point considered using his sermon, but he wrote in the 1700s, and trust me, You're welcome. So I, I this stuff. This is one of the things he said. My, my only question is the president is this Is your heart right as my heart is with your heart? It comes from 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 15. It, another translation has it this way Are you as committed to me as I am to you? And he says, What does that mean? What does it mean when a person asks you, Is your heart right? That's mine, that's hard, it's right, it's yours. What, is, what are you talking about? Well, you're asking a couple of questions. You're asking, is your heart right with God? Do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself? Do you love all people as yourself without excuses or exceptions? Do you love your enemies? Do you, in fact, do good to all them? All neighbors as your friends or enemies, good or bad, do you do all the good you can to all those that you can? He says, if this is true for you, or if you sincerely are eager for it to be true, and you're working with God to make it true, then your heart is right as my heart is with you. And if your heart is right as my heart is with you, Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Not by fulfilling my expectations or making sure everything goes according to the way I think it should, or agreeing with me, or changing your mind about things, 
getting here in your hand means that you will love me like a brother in Christ. Give me your hand by praying for me. Give me your hand by encouraging me. Give me your hand by joining me in God's work. Give me your hand by speaking well of me. If your heart is as my heart, if you love God and all people, I ask no more. Perhaps you need God to open your eyes to see our church, not as you see it, or as I see it, but as He sees it. God may be speaking to you now about your expectations. I want you to allow for the possibility that God is calling you to a time of deeper commitment to Him, to His church. Finding beauty through the imperfections, not in spite of them. The local church is worth. This church is worth your commitment. The church is a vital part of God's plan to restore and renovate lives in our community. The local church really is the hope of the world. It's us or it's life out. God has no plan B for changing this world. It's faith. This church is worth giving your life to. And I believe as more and more people join us in committing to what's in front of us, to this church, to this church family, to this congregation, that we can see a new chapter and movement of God. Do things unlike anything we've ever thought of or dreamed of. The, the next big thing is here. It's always been here. It's this church. Our church. Following Jesus requires you to commit to working uh, with imperfect people to share His perfect grace. Why would we do this? Why would we push ourselves? Why would we? Why would we give up things to bring to the Lord? Why would we give up our will, desire to fight? Against everybody with Jesus. Why would we do that? Because we want more people to experience the transforming power of God's love, His grace, and His mercy, starting with us. We work together and live in harmony. We experience more of His love and His grace. But also, we want it to not only touch us, we want it to spread out into our community and beyond. Because that's why we're here. That's where God saved us. That's why He brought us into His family. To express your commitment to Jesus in this church. I'm going to invite you to do three things this morning. Three things. Three simple things. One, everyone is welcome to partake in communion, which we will talk about in a moment. I want to invite everyone to come forward to partake in communion. Whether you're a member or not a member, doesn't matter. You're welcome to participate with us. Secondly, if you are currently a member, I want to invite you to sign, if you have not already done so, to sign membership re- uh, reaffirmation. 
somebody's going, oh, I got that letter a few weeks ago. I forgot all about it. No problem. We made more. There's a stack right there. There's a stack right there. After you say to me, just take a moment to fill it out, sign it, and drop it into the little gray boxes right there. So no one picks it up and you accidentally find it on top of your name, okay? That's, that's the goal. The third thing is you're not currently a member and you're interested in finding out more about our church and, and what uh, uh, membership means. There's a little pad of paper there called What Next Seminar Interest. Uh, and that's the What Next Seminar When we have it, the next one. We'll talk to you about what it means to be a member and what is involved in being a church. So, simple things. Now, some of you came prepared. You brought your stuff with you. You're thinking, I have already signed my paper. No, you don't need to sign another one. Drop it in the box. I left it in the car. Don't go get it. Give it to me later. Okay? It's all right. But it's... Those are the three things that we all want us to do to express our commitment to Jesus in this church. One is to partake in communion. Two is if we're members to reaffirm our membership, our commitment to the church. And the third is if we're not, if we're not a member, to find out more about it and sign up. And make it in what next seminar. Let's pray. King Jesus. Help us to appreciate commitment to and membership in your church. Release us from our unrealistic expectations that cause us to hold others at arm's length. Help us to see your church and leaders as you see them. Heavenly Father, help us see each other the way you do. Help us to see each other as your sons and daughters who dearly love children. Remove judgment from our hearts and help us not to waste time trying to guess each other's age. Holy Spirit, help us to commit to what is in front of us. Not dreaming or longing for some perfect community, some perfect church, but committing to the one right here in front of us, this one, this one that you've made us a part of. Thank you. Thank you for your church you allow us to call.